Sports Radio Network. What is up? Welcome inside Studio 34. This is Doc Jock. He is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. How's it going, Doc? Going well. The Yankees obviously did not, Brian Cash and, and did obviously did not think that our advice was uh, worthwhile. He's, we will see whether we were right. He did not. There were some big moves at the MLB trade deadline, and we'll get into that uh, today for sure. Doc, how was the weekend? What's going on? Everything's going well. It was a, a nice weekend in New York. The thunder showers were overnight, um, and it was uh, hot but fun. How about, you, how about you? It was good. I was in Chicago over the weekend, and we? it was fun. I'm sorry? Going to Wrigley Field? I, went, I did go to Wrigley, yes. It was nice. Saw the Brewers. I'll be back in Chicago uh, in a few weeks, and I will once again be seeing the Brewers. So, my luck. What's the... You went there to get hot dogs or I, I weddings? Did have, I did or? have a hot dog uh, in Chicago, but I have a lot of friends getting married this year. So, it was a bachelor party in Chicago, and I have another bachelor party in Chicago coming up. Wow. How come you guys do Chicago, not Vegas? We did Vegas many years ago. We were too old for Vegas. We've, we've grown <laughs> out of it. What's in Chicago? I mean, Wrigley. Wrigley. You're and going to baseball. Wrigley Boy, and Lake Michigan. That is not a good prognostic sign. Your, 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 your women have got you henpecked before you're even married. <laughs> Pretty much, Doc. Okay? I, think, I think that's fair to I, say. I, I mean, you know, that, that is like, you, you, you know, it's like you're using sports to supplement Everything else. So let's go to sports before I get into more trouble. Please do. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be the one that gets yelled at here. So let's get into the MLB trade deadline, where the Yankees didn't make a move, and that was almost as big of a story as anybody that made a move. So we'll get to that in a moment. But what did you think of ultimately Brian Cashman standing pat, saying, "Listen, the prices never came down to a level that I felt comfortable at, so I decided we're good with what we have." It, as I th- think I said last week. It depends on what your objective is. If your objective is what is best overall for the Yankee organization mm-hmm. and preserving your assets like it's net wealth, like the way I would manage a investment portfolio, then he's absolutely right. If the objective is we're already past the first hurdle, which the wild card game is a one game shot, so they're past yeah. the first hurdle. Therefore, our objective is to maximize our chances to win the World Series, mm-hmm. and we'll worry about next year, next year, then he's wrong. And I guess the question is what are the objectives and who gets to decide them? It's now been 10 years since the Yankees won their 27th World Series, they are in the playoffs every year. They play meaningful games in September every year. They will absolutely do that this year. That being said, at least theoretically, they don't have a number one horse, which is what I think their biggest need is. The counter to that argument is when we watched the Astros play the Dodgers in the World Series and we had pitching matchups like Kershaw and Verlander, They were like 10-8 games. So sometimes things don't follow form. But I think it's going to be hard to win a short series against the Astros. And then even theoretically, once the Dodgers, who have been playing well but have their own issues, defense, and certain things, 
in a short series if each day those teams starting pitcher is better in that matchup. The Yankees will be heavily relying on that hitting, but the problem is that hitting is not healthy at the moment. Other than Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres is in there despite being banged up today, DJ LeMahieu as well. The Yankees got beat up over the weekend as they lost Edwin Encarnacion. They had lost Aaron Hicks. Gary Sanchez is still not back. Giancarlo Stanton's not doing much of anything. This team has, uh, CC Sabathia was lost over the weekend. There's a lot of pieces that are beat up for this Yankee team and that have continued to roll. They struck the Red Sox, but be less, I'd be less concerned about that because the advantage that the Yankees will have is they should be able to rest enough people to have a better chance as opposed to, for example, the Crosstown Mets who seem to be playing playoff baseball right now in August. So Cano goes down yesterday. They're, they're within one game of 500. They're playing as we speak right now. Every game is now an important game for the Mets. So that means as September and the dog days of August come, you're not going to be able to rest, and you can't afford the luxury of allowing people to get healthy. So you would tend to believe that the Yankees are going to be in less than of a pennant race than virtually anybody else, which would give them an advantage to get some of those pieces healthy. The real question that I have about the Yankees mm-hmm. is they're clearly capable of scoring 12 runs, and then the next day they score one run because they've been a boom-a-bust team, and I think T.J. LeMahieu makes that somewhat better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they average six, but how much of that comes from beating up bad pitchers? So, for example, the way the Mets scored 12 runs yesterday with a lot of backup players against the bottom of a bad Pittsburgh's pitching staff. How does that translate to when they face Madison Bumgarner or Aaron Nola or one of the better pitchers? And that's really the question. And I think there's a difference. One of the things that... I've always felt about Giancarlo Stanton is that he is one of the great August dog day players when you really get in the back of teams and he beats up bad pitching. But I've always felt he could be overmatched. I've, I felt the same thing about David Wright. I always felt on the, the Mets teams, Daniel Murphy was the guy who hit good pitchers. You know, against in the playoffs against the Dodgers, if Murphy's ball doesn't find the seats against Kershaw or Granke, I don't think the Mets score. I think that Cespedes also beats up bad pitching. And that's where hitters like you hope to see Jeff McNeil, who can both turn on a ball and slap the ball, you hope that they can hit good, solid pitching. I think Gleyber Torres can hit good pitching. I've never been 100% convinced about Stanton I think Judge is getting there because he doesn't swing at balls, but not as much this year as the end of last year when I really thought he was locked in. Yeah, he hasn't found that rhythm as of yet. And the pitching that the Yankees are going to face is only going to get tougher, as you mentioned, as they get into the postseason, because the Astros did make a move or two at the trade deadline. They acquired Aaron Sanchez first on the Toronto Blue Jays to go along with Joe Biagini. All Aaron Sanchez did in his first start was pitch six 
hitless innings, which led to a combined no-hitter by the Houston Astros. And they didn't stop there because they acquired another starter as well. And that was Zach Grinke, who has playoff experience, who has big game experience, and is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Grinke paired up with Verlander uh, and Garrett Cole. It's one tough threesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I... And, and I go back to a lot of people in New York said Marcus Stroman. I don't think the Yankees needed Marcus Stroman. That's one thing that I agree. I think that Marcus Stroman plays well for the Mets, whose strategy, and not to repeat last week, is we're going to throw out a major league starting pitching every single day, which is why for the $2 million salary dump, I would have kept Vargas, A, in case somebody goes down, but... Wouldn't you feel better with Vargas pitching the second game today than Walter Lockett? Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I think that's a mistake that they made because I can't imagine that the catcher they got is going to even sniff City Field as anything but a spectator. Um, so I, I think that the Yankees needed a horse. Stroman, I guess any pitcher can. You don't count on Stroman to go out against the Astros and give you 7-0. And if Garrett Cole goes out against the Yankees and gives you 7 or 8 zeros, you're not surprised. Verlander goes out and pitches 9 and the Yankees score one run, you're not surprised. And that's pretty much what happened, I think, I think two years ago when they played in the playoffs. Verlander. Yeah. You know, sure. from start to finish. Tanaka, they're counting on in the postseason. Tanaka has pitched great in the postseason. However, he always is prone in the regular season to give up a lot of home runs, especially on his days. Yeah. So the question is, does Tanaka have the ability to ratchet it up? Now, mind you, Andy Pettit was a much better postseason pitcher they, you, Joe Torres pitched him in game two, mm-hmm. especially when the Yankees were down. But they were totally different types of pitcher. Pettit had the great cutter. He kept the ball in the ballpark. When Tanaka gets hit, the ball flies out of the ballpark. Yeah. I honestly think that if I'm going into a series, I'm not scared to see Tanaka. I think he's going to revert to the mean in the postseason. I don't think it's because he is Madison Bumgarner, concentrates, and really has the stuff to move it up a notch. I just think that those have been the days where the split is split. The fastball might have been, and I don't mean to take anything away from him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he reverted to the Well, you know that the, the, his entire grip on the splitter has changed because the baseball changed, and he couldn't find it. And if you look at what, how his grip is uh, now, compared to two months ago, it's entirely different. He has lost the splitter. His best and most effective and important pitch, he's lost it. And his fastball is flat as a board. Oh, yeah. And when he doesn't have the splitter, the ball flies out of the ballpark. So, and again, you're seeing Edwin Diaz. He, every time the Mets put him out there, the ball flies out of the ballpark. Yeah. And what's happening to him is he has no changeup. He has a fastball, and his slider is not breaking, and it stays at the same plane. So his slider comes in at basically a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that's on exactly the same plane, so even if it breaks, it's not going down at all. 
And so basically you just have to be teed up for every single pitch. Um, and that's why, you know, we all laughed when, when they hired the 82-year-old pitching coach, but he seems like he's done a hell of a job. It's worked out for him. The New York Mets have won nine of their last ten games. They are right in the thick of things in the wild card race as we speak. They sit just three games out. There are a ton of teams ahead of them, but they sit just three games out, winning nine of their last ten. It's been a remarkable turnaround. It, it has... But the amazing thing is that the 82-year-old pitching coach, and maybe it, this is one for less analytics mm-hmm. and more hands-on coaching, seems to have done simple things to help people perform. Now, in fairness, they did get Justin Wilson back. They did get Luis Avalon back. So they had more pieces in the ball, bullpen. Yeah. But he seems to have gotten them back to doing what works. It, it seems like very simple adjustments. And with Diaz, they have nothing else to do but tell him to try to throw the ball by people at 100 miles an hour and hope that it works. His secondary pitches are just hostile la vista. The Mets have, as I said, figured it out in that NL. They were buyers. Everyone kind of laughed. Like, oh, what are you doing? Why are they you really selling? weren't buyers? They you, bought Strowman. Well, but he's he's got another year on his contract. Sure, he's still another, buying. It, it, it's it's not like they gave up. That they looked at that, you know, in terms of Wheeler. It, it's not like they gave up. First of all, they don't have anything in the farm system. I think they've brought everything up. Sure, they have. To be sure. perfectly honest, they have the shortstop who who people are high high on, but he can't necessarily hit. Right. Um, and you know, they, they now need, if they really don't even have an extra outfielder of note in the system because if they had that, they would have brought that up for, for, and moved McNeil to second base. Instead, they, they, they just brought up a journeyman player. The, the, I, I guess people were speculating that they would sign, uh, uh, Cabrera who was let go he's by ne- Texas. Who's now signed with the nationals as Jubal Cabrera. He signed with the nationals. Mm-hmm. When did he sign? Today. Earlier today. Yep. So he signed, he signed with the Nationals. But you can't take away, obviously, what they've done here over the last 10 days. No, we'll, not we'll, at all. And we'll, see, and we'll see what happens. Well, first of all, Rosario is actually playing shortstop mm-hmm. and playing and hitting and yeah. has a ton of talent. Okay? McNeil arguably could be an MVP character mm-hmm. candidate. The way they've moved him around, played good defense, and now hitting the long ball. Uh, Alonzo has... Come back to earth since the All-Star break. And it looked like his bat was a little bit slow this weekend. And that's why they rested him yesterday. But you'd expect him to have uh, another hot streak. And, you know, again, pitching wins baseball games. Mm-hmm. And if they, 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 as you get deeper into the season, if they can keep their pitchers healthy, mm-hmm. they have an advantage in virtually every game at the very, very beginning. They seem to have a disadvantage when you get to the, the end. end. Sure. But actually, the bullpen has been pitching well, but it's certainly not easy. I mean, probably yesterday was 13-2, to two and you were probably nervous watching the game. <laughs> Let's go around the rest of the MLB. I mentioned Zach Grinke. I mentioned Aaron Sanchez. Uh, you talk about teams going for it. Certainly what the Astros are doing. Well, Aaron Sanchez was a top-notch prospect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had was... lost his last 13 starts. Right. So... 
again, the Astros are a team that figure they can get it right. There was a reason he was one of the top prospects. Uh, I, I think three years ago he had as much fantasy value as anybody sure, out there. Sure, sure. People were really, really, really high on him. So as a fourth or fifth starter, he certainly has the pedigree. He just hasn't performed. I thought those were great moves. Uh, I, I, I think that um, Sanchez... Sanchez is Zach Wheeler before the second half of last year. Sure. Well, I... Some more injury issues than Wheeler. Well, Wheeler missed a year with two years with sure. Tommy John. Yes, but yeah, it's not like recurring injuries, right? Like Aaron, well, Sanchez two years. Bl- Aaron Sanchez has blister after blister after blister. I understand, but two years he was out for. But again, high ceiling, never performed as expected. Although Sanchez had his first year was excellent, if I remember correctly. Um, but the last two have been absolutely awful. So, and Wheeler was as good a pitcher as there was in baseball the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. The question is, how many of those were meaningful games, and, and what does that really mean? Um, but he has a very, very high upside. Wheeler's stuff is as good as, you know, as good as the other two on the Mets rotation, DeGrom and Syndergaard. He may not look as, impo- as imposing, He's certainly not as consistent as DeGrom. He's certainly not as imposing as Syndergaard, but he has ace stuff. He has number one pitcher stuff, which is why even coming off the disabled list, there was so much interest in him. Um, I think Sanchez at least has the pedigree. And then you go ahead and get Zach Granke. I know the Yankees roughed him up, but he knows how to pitch. I'd have zero problem sending Zach Granke out to the mound in the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's actually where it hurt yeah. the Yankees because they didn't have the ability to pivot because Zach Granke And who on the Yankees would you rather start than Zach Granke? Not a single player. Not who a single on the pitcher. Yankees would you rather start than Justin Verlander? Not a single pitcher. Who Not on the Yankees pitcher. would you rather start than Garrett Cole? You know the answer. And, that, and that's it's what... three. Well, and that's why I asked you what the objective and goes back to now what pitches in baseball that were realistic would you take over them or equal to them just any team any pitchers any pit team i'll take jacob degrom okay i will take max scherzer okay mm-hmm. i will take Mm-mm-mm. Struggling here, Doc. Struggling. I think Walker Bueller. Okay. Struggling mightily. You can make arguments. For other players. You can make arguments. I mean, Chris stock is really, really, really low. But, but you you know, he was certainly there. You have the guy who won the Cy Young Award for for Tampa last year. I wouldn't take Blake Snell over them. Blake Snell. Um... You, you, you know, Nola's had so looking, two good so, years. So I'm looking at it now. That's it, man. Okay. That's it. So who's the next class that potentially equal them? Syndergaard? Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you some names. Um, Luis Castillo, Steven Strasburg, Jose Barrios, Syndergaard, um, Patrick Corbin, Aaron Nola. Those are some of the names. Hyunjin Ryu. Clayton Kershaw. These are the Indians guys, right? Shane Bieber. Clevenger. 
I go back to what I said last week. Charlie Morton. Cashman should have uh, Cashman should have made a bad deal for Sanders. I did, I disagree with that. I stand by that. Okay. I, if if the goal was to win this year, the goal's always to win, and you don't. I know we dis, we disagree here. Okay, but again, it, what are the assets? If Houston doesn't have a, an injury, they're not beating Houston. I don't know how they can. They're not beating. I don't know how they can. They're not beating Houston in the short. Term. Yeah, and I don't know how they can. And 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 then you get down to was this great regular season where Boston is down? Is that a waste, or you just roll it up and you do it again next year? What's the objective? I mean, that, that I think is really, really the answer here. Is it, is it World Series or bust this year if you're the Yankees? It doesn't. If you're the Dodgers, same question. So, with, I think there are different answers, right? So, I think with the Dodgers, the answer is yes. Because you've been in the World Series twice in a row. You have no championships to speak of. You have a very long drought for a championship, over 20 years now. The answer is yes for the Dodgers. I think... For the Yankees, they have, this is very frustrating as a Yankee fan, but they have the built-in excuse ready-made, right? Nobody in the MLB history was as beat up as we are. We lost our top pitcher, our top hitter, our everybody. We lost everybody. But look at us. We still won 100 games. We still buried the Red Sox. We still made it to the postseason, only to fall to a team that was healthier and that was better. But we'll do it again next year. That. That is already there. Just like when Cashman decided not to make a move, the built-in excuse of, well, Severino is going to come back. Matanzas is going to come back. Stanton's going to come back. That's better than a trade anyway. That was there since day one also. All three of those guys have been out since April. So that, those excuses have been there from the beginning. So Batanzas coming back means that they can potentially play a four-inning four game. Which is what right, all which is what they, all they could do, yes. Okay. Severino is really, really interesting. At times, Severino has looked like he could be a horse. But to me, it was very discouraging that last year in a big game against the Red Sox... And the year they, before against the Twins. Against the Twins. They, they basically put him out there and couldn't wait to get him out of the game. Mm-hmm. The biggest conversation was, is our bullpen rested enough to go seven innings? Right. And... I, don't th- I think it's going to be really hard to do that. I think you can do it in one series. I think the earliest they get the Astros, they're better off. I know most people would look at it the other way around. But I think the sooner they get the Astros, the better off you are. And hope your bullpen is really, really rested. And then hope in the second series that it becomes like the Dodgers and Houston where everybody's pitches were just shot, and every game just goes into double figures. That's the Yankees' best methodology for getting home, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but I, I would have, I think that Cashman hates to make the bad trade, which is great, but at some point in time, you've got to go for it. Fair enough, and you've been steady on that. Um, the Dodgers are a team that, as we said, been the back-to-back World Series. They also didn't do anything at the deadline looking for a star, looking for a reliever, looking for something. And didn't really all that much. They have tons of prospects, and one of the things that we have seen, and I think the Yankees will do this too with Garcia, is they're going to bring up, what do they call him, Ginger Guard? Ginger Guard's up, yeah. yeah and, and He's up. They'll start him... And they'll look to him as that kind of swing player, just like Milwaukee used, um, what's his name last year? Josh Hader. Josh Hader. 
and and you know the Yankees used Jabba mm-hmm. years ago, and I think the Yankees are going to do the same thing with Garcia. I it, agree with you. Is is my guess on that? So I think the fact that um, they needed a intermediary step between their closer and their starters, I think that will be easier for them to piece that together. Okay. And I also think that the the only two teams in a short series that would give them a hard time in the National League, I actually believe are the Nationals and the Mets. Pitching. And that's what it comes down to. Because nobody, nobody has the pitching like those two teams. So I can't see, you know, we get into the Milwaukee's of the world. I can't see. Milwaukee's not even in the playoffs right now. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, so I, the, the season ends today. The uh, teams with the best records in the, in the National League, you have the Do- you can have the Dodgers, Braves, and Cubs winning the divisions. Okay? And then the wild card, who they would face in the first round us would be the winner between the Cardinals and the Nationals. So I, I think we haven't really talked about the Braves. Mm-hmm. The Braves made some very decent they, moves. They made some moves, very, sure. Very, very good moves. In, in, you know, I think getting Shane Green was a solid move. They won't agree with you after this past weekend. Again, re- reversion to the mean. Of course. Okay. Um, but I'm not impressed with their pitching in a short period. Okay. Soroka's really good. I, I think that, that the Nationals, you know, I think that Strasburg can stru- stru- uh, you know, shut you out at any time. Well, yeah, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. That's a hell of a three. I wouldn't want to play that. In the, I agree. In a short Same with the Mets when you get into the ground, Wheeler, Syndergaard, and Schroeman. Absolutely. I, I think that those would be the teams that you wouldn't really want I agree to with that. match up with. I agree with that. Everyone else you, th- you look at, and you're like, they're beatable. Every well, single the one. The Dodgers have so much power. So you add, the, the Dodgers are really a team that's built in the, the classic Baltimore Oreo, Frank Cashin, Sandy Alderson. Our pitchers are going to throw harder than your pitchers, and our hitters are going to hit, hit farther, than your hitters. farther than your hitters. Uh-huh. And, and that's really pretty much true. They have power at every friggin' position. You, you, you know, their Bellinger is becoming as good as there is in baseball. Justin Turner, I believe, is... If there's one person that I wouldn't want to pitch to with the game on the line, his name comes to mind. Sure. He is one of the great clutch hitters that I've seen. Sure. He was just... And he's done this for years. When the Mets played them in the playoffs, last year in the playoffs, he is a tough ass. That's the type of player that I sometimes feel the Yankees don't have in the postseason. DJ LeMayu, I think, is it. And you claim it's you think, is it as well. We'll see, but I think he has a shot to be. Okay. But I think Sanchez is easy to strike out if you make your pitches. I think Judge has a lot of weak spots. I think Giancarlo Stanton you can pitch to. You know, I think Luke Voigt you can pitch to. Mm-hmm. Um, Diego Gregorius you can hit, pitch to. He's tough in big games. You're damn right he is. He's tough, and he's also the only lefty, and he, the short Gardner's porch. in there, too. Short porch, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gregorius is, 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 is a very—and Gregorius is also 
different than the other guys because Gregorius is a bad ball hitter. Sure. I'll swear everything. Okay. He's a bad ball hitter. He's a, he's a throwback to, you know, uh, the Yogi Berra school. And those players are really tough to pitch to because the ball can be one inch off the ground and they'll golf it out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And, and by, the, by the same token, Gregorius will miss a fastball belt high right down the plate. You have no idea what, they would, what he's going to hit. So he, he's so much of a harder person to pitch to. He's really a wild card because he's a bad ball hitter. Absolutely. He'll, he'll hit a ball five feet out, that's outside and, 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 and line it off the left field wall. He's a bad ball hitter. Let me um, continue around the MLB here. And did you see Vinny Velasquez play in left field? No, I didn't. Oh, it was fantastic. So over the weekend, the Phillies and White Sox, actually, went to extras. It was like the 15th inning. Velasquez, I guess, was not his throw day. He had pitched uh, a night or two before. Pinch ran for a pitcher. Winds up getting out, but they had nobody left. So he played left field, threw out Jose Abreu at the plate on like a picture-perfect throw. Inning later, guy comes around again, just misses throwing him out. To end that inning, because they were home, so they had to bat again. To end that inning, made a diving catch in left field. The losing pitcher, Roman Quinn, who was a center fielder, started in center field, had a home run and two steals in the game, and wound up getting the loss. <laughs> Crazy. Yep, that's why, that, those are the things that make baseball special. And we talked about no clocks and, and, and things like that. And it's good that we're, we're finally talking about baseball. Is, is that because the NBA is finally out of news? So I was, you know what, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to get into that. It's like we started off, we did a lot of our show last week about baseball. And we started. First time. And it, that's what I was going to say. And, and you know what's scary? We followed that up with more baseball for the first half hour of today's program. But when the world, but you may be one of the problems. When, when you get to the World Series, we're talking more about football. No doubt. Yeah. It, it, it's, Listen, it, if the World Series is in August, that would work out perfectly. It's, it's very interesting that, that now, it, and, and we can't even say that baseball is a local medium because the Yankees were involved in the playoffs. It's not even just the fact that it was a down year for New York because the Yankees have played deep into every single season. So it, it's just, that's something that they have to figure out. Sure, they are. And I think they, I think they are desperate to figure that out. And it also may be that with fantasy, with the way we speak, we're all pseudo-general managers. and Have we reached a point where we care more about the process than we do what's on the field? We spend more time talking about NBA free agency yeah. and who people are going to well, totally. get. Well, totally. We use the Major League Baseball. Absolutely. We spend more time talking about the trade deadline, who they're going to get, than actually how they play. Absolutely. No question. But the camps have opened in the NFL. And I guess the, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott is the big holdout. He's the Le'Veon Bell or Mel Gordon is of, of this year right now. Yeah. The, um, the NFL training camp is in full swing. You're taking a look at that. What, have you been following training camp at all? Peripherally. Uh, peripherally. Not, 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 not 
tremendously. I, I think that it's too early. I mean, I didn't watch the Hall of Fame game in the Denver Denver play. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've read the articles about Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel sure. Elliott. I've um, looked at uh, they had some rankings of what tier every quarterback is in and, and, and that type of stuff. But there's really been not as much news from the NFL training camps as is, is usually been. No major, thankfully, no major injuries, as you said. The holdouts of Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon are obviously huge, and they stand out here. Um, but no major, major news. Like we're getting a Daniel Jones update from Giants camp every day. It seems like we're getting a David Montgomery update but, but from I Chicago could, every I day. Could, I could write those before they come out. You think so? Oh, yeah. Daniel Jones is more cerebral practice. Eli Manning loves him, loves teaching young Young players. I wouldn't say that's what it is, though. I mean, the updates that I'm getting are... You can throw the deep ball and stuff like that. They, the coaches control the narrative, and it, it, it's... At this point, everybody has a chance to win the Super Bowl. Sure. So... I remember when my dad produced a pregame show for the Mets, and... There was a man by the name of Bob Brown who was backstage with Bob Brown. And here I was, and this was after you know, the Mets had gone downhill, and I was 10, 11 years old, and I was optimistic each year. And he used to always tell me the same thing. By the end of the year, you're usually going to be what the back of your baseball card mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, football's different because it's been a, a straight salary cap, so we really, really don't know, but... Right now, you're going to hear the same stories. from We all love our draft picks. Everybody looks great in camp. Everybody's come back and healthy. The locker room is a great place. And we know that Antonio Brown has bad blisters. Yeah, he's just very bad blisters on his feet. Are you going to watch Hard Knocks tomorrow night? Um, maybe not tomorrow night, but I, 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 do, do, like, I do like to watch it, 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 it in occasion. And I do think that seeing... And, you know, Gruden on it will, 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 will be very, very interesting. It's interesting. The only team that's never been on it, I think, is the Giants. No, they're not the only team, but they're one of several teams that have not been on it. That's correct. Giants have no interest in it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like the league is going to force them to do it. But Oakland's going to be interesting because of the media experience of Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Like they, they, they came get from it. the media. They get it. So they were the media. They were, sure. The crazy thing, speaking of, um, speaking of hard knocks... Don Banks writes this article about Hard Knocks and the Browns and the show and what was cut and all this stuff, and then passes away a day later. That was nuts. Life is precious. Life is precious, of course, as we found out even further so uh, on Saturday with everything going on um, with the, in El Paso and in Dayton. Yeah, that's... Uh, it, it's... You know, we shouldn't veer here, but... I'm going to veer. I think, we, I think we need to. We have editorial things. When is common sense going to come into this country? New Zealand had a terrible experience and changed their laws within six days. Yeah. The Second Amendment says that you have the right to bear arms. First Amendment says that you have the right for free speech, but if you go into a theater and scream, yeah. that's not. Mm-hmm. 
the f- I went. To, I took my son to see Hamilton, my little one. You know, last week. Yeah. Okay. Hamilton was one of the f- you know founders of this country. Him and his son died in duels. Mm-hmm. So what the framers meant by the Constitution could not be a criteria. You want to roll back the laws and say that any weapon that was invented in 1776 is legal? Sure. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, no worries. If somebody moved next to you and was building a nuclear bomb, would, does that encounter the right to bear arms? The answer is no. It, 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 there's really only two equations. You either have to arm everyone or harm no one, and I'm much more in favor of getting the guns off the street. There's nothing that, and, and, and I can speak as somebody that did trauma surgery for the first, you know, 10 years of my career. It is absolutely absurd, and people will do things in uniforms, you know, in helmets, and when they have weapons, it emasculates people, mm-hmm. and there is no question they'll do things, and you get rid of the AK. The, the assault rifles, and you should even make it really, really hard. You want to go hunt? That's fine. Have hunting rifles. Sure. You do not need weapons on, on, on the street. And Michael Bloomberg is absolutely right about this. And the NRA really should not be as powerful of a lobby as it is. And, and I think that um, more and more people should, should, should understand that, that – that, we are the only country where this is a repetitive theme. Pittsburgh, Dayton, um, going back to Orlando. I mean, this just keeps happening on a regular basis. And, of course, the saddest of probably all, Sandy Hook. I think as Will said, I think, I think, I know it infuriates me. Every time we do this, nothing changes. We give our thoughts. We give our prayers. And, and I really thought after Parkland, yeah. and you had... Kids challenging adults uh-huh. that it was going to make a change. Mm-hmm. And now, honestly, the only change that's going to come yeah. is not going to come from the political area. It's going to come from the courts and tort law. And I, as a high-risk surgeon, I think that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be legislating through the courts because I think it's a dangerous precedent. Sure. But it's the only way this is going to change. And what I think you're going to see is although there were laws that were done to protect the gun companies, I think they're coming around these laws in Connecticut, and you're going to see liability because for the drug, the gun companies marketing these weapons to susceptible people. And I, it, it's taken all of these years and now heading to the Supreme Court, and that may be a change. Because if you increase the liability, you will bankrupt some of these. I... Don't have the words anymore. I don't. I don't even watch the news stories because it's so yeah. infuriating. Because, yeah. you, you, you know, it's like, to me, it's like, okay. And, and what, do you have to, what do you have to see? This should be something we all agree upon. And even the thing in Vegas, this is, this is something that we all should agree on. And it's more than just background checks and stuff like that because the back, it, it, it takes this much time for somebody to, 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 to screw a light bulb. It, what people don't realize is that past precedent is not always predictive. Most of these people die 
at the scene. I understand that 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 El Paso is an exception. So they they haven't been mass murderers before. Okay, so yes, they may have a history of mental illness that was seen, for example, in the Sandy Hook kid who was you know, very much challenged and disabled to some extent. You know, had was certainly on the spectrum. But there are millions of people that have these issues that are far from mass murderers. There are no predictive algorithms that you're going to have. The person in Vegas, I think, would have had a clean background check, if I remember correctly. That's correct. So it's not a solution. Get these things off the street. And I, I, you know, I really have to apologize to your generation and the younger generations for how the baby boomers and my generation has used the exceeding wealth in this country for, for many things that I think are in error. I think with that, we say goodnight, because I don't know how to, I don't think we can follow that, to be honest, to be honest with you. That's the important stuff. All the, the, the Yankees and the Mets and the nonsense. nonsense. That's what makes life fun. It is. And, and you know, that's the other lesson is, is and, that's, and that's the value of sports, and that's why we, we sit here, because it, 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 it's, it's fun, and it, it, it puts us back in the game, and it, 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 it allows us to aspire to the good things in life, the camaraderie, and the things that go with it. Because if you break it down to a concrete level, okay, why do you care? Correct. But it gives you that special camaraderie, that you know, special social type thing. And it's interesting. If we didn't have these mythical things, We'd never have groups of more than 20 or 30. What really matters, that's what you have to remember. He is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's edition of Doc Jock. For all of our other episodes, please just go to YouTube, wherever you listen to your videos, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for Doc Jock. On demand, of course, subscribe to the podcast right now. Make sure you get all of our episodes each and every week. For Dr. Mitchell Roslin, I'm Greg Sussman. Have a wonderful night. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.